Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Light the World podcast. And I'm your host, LT World. If you're new to this channel, what we do on this podcast is we look at cultural topics and political topics and religious topics and stuff like that and try to look at them from both sides and see which sides make the most sense. So, for instance, we talked about feminism before and looked at pro feminists and anti feminists and whatever. And we looked at both sides and try to understand the arguments better from each perspective and see which ones make the most sense. And that's what we do here. And we also do interviews on this show. So we'll interview people who have an impact on culture or who have a cool background or faith story and just do a bunch of different interviews about people who are interesting, basically. <laughs> so if you like those type of things, definitely subscribe to the channel. Definitely follow on whatever platform you're listening to. And you can follow at uh, Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out my webpage at ltworld.info. And before we jump in, I do want to throw out there that we just released a really cool interview with a guy named Aaron who grew up in a cult and then managed to get out and found freedom in his new life after after getting out of the cult. So if, you're, if that sounds really interesting to you, check out that episode. Uh, it's in the podcast. It's on YouTube. It's on all the platforms. It's released. So if that sounds like it's something really interesting to you, definitely go check it out. And we also have another interview coming up. I just finished up an interview this week. This week has been really crazy. So if I seem a little bit uh, discombobulated today, it's because this week has been pretty crazy. But I had another interview today with a, a friend of mine who produces movies and produces uh, or is getting into the production company industry, at least. So that was a really cool interview. And we had a really great time. And if you would enjoy listening to that one, it'll be released here within a few weeks. So keep your eyes out for that. But now. Without further ado, let's jump into today's into to ah, into today's topic. So today we're talking about communism. So last episode we talked about kind of the history of communism. Specifically, we talked a lot about Soviet Union and China and kind of like uh, the revolutions uh, during the communist age and during the uh, Cold War. So today we're talking about kind of just the practicals of communism. And as we already established, communism, by definition, is a Marxist theory about class wars and leading to a, is a, it's a political theory derived from Karl Marx advocating class wars and leading to a society in which all property is publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to their abilities and their needs. So it's a society without any sort of individual property rights where everyone in the community owns, in theory, the money and production of goods and that there's no class division. And so it's supposed to be in the ideal version, egalitarian. So that is what a communist society is. Now, obviously, there's people who supported this theory, Karl Marx and Engels being two of the founders, and then obviously people going forward supported it. And there's people who disagree with it. Normally, they fall on more of the capitalist end, but sometimes they don't. But anyway, there's different sides of it. And typically, the arguments boil down to morality. Um, we're going to, On this episode, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about morality. What do people on the supportive side of communism say in regards to why communism is morally the better option? And what do people say why communism isn't a good moral, isn't, isn't morally justifiable, or at the very least doesn't work out the morals as it says it hopes to? in a practical way and we'll kind of delve into that and talk a little bit more about that but also on the later part of this episode we're going to talk about a little bit of the economics of why there was a lot of economic failure within the communist countries that we saw in the history and we're going to kind of talk about the economics of communism at the end 
So let's first jump into the morals of communism. Looking at like the Communist Manifesto, manifesto looking at different communist resources and people who defend it or at, at the very least give an overview of it, it normally the arguments boil down to one word, equality. Pro-communist people, they, they tend to see the capitalist society, social divisions, that whole thing as a problem because not everyone is equal. In essence, capitalism leads to social class divisions. It leads to what Karl Marx would call like a disgruntled lower class, a lower class that would want to would get angry, fed up, and then eventually revolt and lead to civil war and issues because the whole premise of capitalism, according to the pro-communist side, is division. You, The only way you have capitalist society is that there's social classes, and these social classes are separated socioeconomically by money and by standing. And the people higher up on the chain have more power and influence, and they have more advantages than the people on the lower end. And the whole system of capitalism is based on division and inequality, which doesn't sound very um, very good. doesn't sound like a good system when you're literally built on the fact that people aren't equal. And also, the argument went, in a lot of cases, that this inequality and the fact that money is so important to people's position in society leads to the leads to more people wanting to love money. It leads to every social interaction being about money. It leads to people taking advantage of people because they need money to gain power in society. And it leads to this sort of greed. Um, in, in essence, it leads to greed. Capitalism invokes greed because people need money to grow up to go up the hierarchy of the socioeconomic ladder, and therefore they will take advantage of people or they will suppress people if they're higher up on the ladder to spare their positioning. And again, it creates division and gets rid of equality. And also, if you, as you saw in our critical theory episodes um, a few few episodes ago, it leads to sometimes discrimination and uh, uh, and structural problems. So you can have racism like we did in the States for several centuries there with slavery and Jim Crow and all those things. So it can lead to discrimination because it's social economic class structures, sexism and other other type of other type of discrimination like that's like that sort of thing because of the whole economic setup is based on discrimination. And that was kind of Karl Marx's and Engels' main thrust was that capitalism and other forms of government that other forms of economics that involve some sort of class division will inevitably lead to conflict because they need conflicts to survive. But the communist side says that if we create an egalitarian where everyone's equal, there's no reason to fight over money. Why would you need to fight over money if all your needs are met? Well, you don't need to fight for money. Why would you be greedy for someone else's position and be envious when everyone's equal? Well, you can't be in theory then because everyone's equal. Why would you need to create civil war and distrust when all your needs are met? You wouldn't. You're satisfied because all your needs are met. Therefore, there's no reason to revolt. So in theory, it sounds very nice. Capitalism lives and dwells off division. It lives and thrives off some sort of inequality. But Communism survives and thrives off equality. Or thus, the argument goes from a moral standpoint. And who does, and if you, or can only be moral if you want people to be equal. Or so the argument goes. Now, the response to this and what people say on the flip side is one, look at history. A lot of times, people on the capitalist side of things, or people who just disagree with communism as a general whole, will say, just look at history and you see this doesn't make any sense. 
in history, historically speaking, a lot of communist societies are very oppressive, very, very um, poor, treat their citizens very poorly, and they mistreat them. And there's just a lot of corruption. So this idea that if everyone that everyone being equal and everyone's happy and go lucky, even if everyone's equal, there's still division and there's still problems and there's still social there's still social division, even without money being involved. So obviously, not all society's problems falls on the back of money. One and historically, communism isn't favored because we have a hundred years of history to look back on in communism trying to be practiced. Secondly, a lot of times people on the opposite say opposite end of the spectrum say a couple things about this whole idea of freedom and equality. One is you're, the, the communists define equality as everyone having equal position. So it, there would be no one at the top of the ladder or bottom of the ladder. Everyone's at equal position. But a lot of times people on the flip side say, well, you don't need equality to be everyone with equal position. All you need is equality of opportunity. Now, what that means is having laws in place that enables everyone to pursue their goals. So even if you're at the lower part of the ladder, let's just say, let's just say you were you were born to a poor family, it, a country is actually equal if everyone has equal chance and opportunity to succeed. So that person at the bottom of the ladder could have can get a job without any sort of discrimination and so forth. And the way you would enforce this is not through restructuring the whole system to be everyone's equal, but rather you make it in a way that the government stays out of most situations and they only regulate and enforce laws that help protect people's freedoms or protect people's ability to move up the ladder and move down the ladder if they want to, if that's their sole desire. And so you would create in a sense then, in a perfect perfect sense, a meritocracy where everyone gets what they earned. So you're born into this world and then you earn what you get from there. And if everyone has an equal opportunity to earn what they get, then that's an equal society. Not everyone's going to end up equally well off because equal opportunity and meritocracy means that some people are going to want to put forth less work and they're going to be lazy and therefore they won't get as much production and therefore they won't be as high on the ladder and other people are going to be working hard and putting forth a lot of effort and they'll end up higher on the ladder. And then obviously there's other factors that take in place. It's not, it's not always that simple. But generally speaking, if you create a society with equal opportunity or relatively equal opportunity and some form of meritocracy where people earn what they get, you will have equal equality. Not in outcome, but in ability. And the other flip side is, even though communism sounds like this great um, equality and this great idea of society, and everyone's free because they're not bound by socioeconomic classes, you're stifling a lot of different things. One, you're stifling the freedom to act and to innovate and to create. So, for instance, no one could, if, they, if someone had this desire to start a business, within a communist society, they can't really start a business. And if they are allowed to, some certain extent, start a business... It falls under the community. It falls under everyone else dictating what to do with their business. So they don't really have freedom to do that. They don't have freedom to create. So you might be able to create a great art piece and great artwork, but you don't actually have individual property rights. So if you wanted to put that artwork on the marketplace, it you don't you can't dictate the price. You can't dictate the supply. Therefore, it's the community's decision. So 
within the communism, you actually lose a lot of freedom. And you see this in history because a lot of times the government then dictates what freedoms you do have and what you don't have. And that's what can lead to oppression because you're dictating freedoms within that system. The system requires people's freedoms to be restricted. It's essential to the system. So as you could say that capitalism requires some form of division based on outcome because people's amount of effort they put in or life circumstances hit, stuff like that. You could say the same thing for capitalism in regards to freedom, that it requires freedom to be stifled and to be limited due to the wanting of everyone being equal. And even outside of that, the whole phrase of from everyone who's from everyone to do what they're able to do to everyone by their needs. So like if people, whoever, whatever you need will be met and whatever ability you're able to work to, you work to that ability. Again, you don't really give people the freedom to choose whether or not they want to work to their fullest ability or not to their fullest ability. And that requires freedom to be encroached upon, which normally leads to some form of oppression. And as I already said earlier, there is necess- there's not really necessary. We don't need to always go to extremes. And this is kind of me throwing out my own little opinion here at the end about, I think the big problem with this discussion is that we think of extremes like, okay, pure communism, bad, pure capitalism, good, or pure capitalism, bad, pure communism, good. We tend to think of the extremes and oftentimes economics is much more nuanced than that. We need to take little pieces of different things and, and sometimes put them together to make a more effective system. So a pure capitalist society, as we can tell, can lead to, and Karl Marx wasn't wrong to say this when he, he made these, some of these assertions, can lead to a social system where the top couple people rule basically the country and then starve people at the bottom. We have, he had some reason to believe this. In the 1800s, when Karl Marx was around, the Industrial Revolution was very, very poor, treated children very poorly, treated the lower class very poorly. And there was a lot of poverty because these big business owners weren't paying their workers and laborers properly. And that was a true concern. He was not wrong about that. A lot of times we want to make Karl Marx out to be this really, really bad guy, but he wasn't wrong to observe that in the Industrial Revolution, people working in these factories were being mistreated and neglected. We had this in the States in the 20th century, in the early 20th century, when the Industrial Revolution was happening here, children were in five years old, seven years old, however old they were, were being put into factories, put into dangerous positions, being hurt and making pennies and only barely enough maybe to feed, help feed the family or something like that. So there was true concern here. That was an issue. But is the answer completely destroying the system? Or is the answer laws and regulations like minimum wage and workers, uh, how you can, how you have to treat your workers and different regulations and stuff that don't lead you to pure communism, but don't necessarily allow for pure capitalism where monopoly is the end result. There's a blending. There's a mixture. There is regulation that can be put in place where you don't go to one extreme or the other. Anyway, food for thought. Now, those are kind of the moral arguments. And as you can probably, as you can already tell from my perspective, I don't think pure communism is good. And I don't think pure capitalism is good, uh, which may be a hot take for some people, because pure capitalism will lead to your Rockefellers and other people normally dominating the country and suppressing people at the bottom. But there has to be a mixture and there has to be a blend. And morally speaking, I think that leads to the most freedom when the government allows for open opportunity for people. And meritocracy, I think, allows for the best results. But neither here nor there. Now we can delve a little bit more. Now we're going to, now we're going to shift a little bit more away from the moral arguments that are, that are presented by both sides. 
shift away from the ideas of freedom and equality and which system best brings forth equality and freedom. And we're going to shift more to the economics and just more of the practicals and talk about why doing a reflection on why communism kind of fails economically and why, historically speaking, a lot of communist countries didn't do well. And the only one that did relatively well is China. But China isn't purely isn't a pure communist state. Actually, China's social uh, economic growth, I mean, followed a lot of capitalist um, insertions into their economy. So communism, so communism isn't China isn't purely communist. China has a mixture of communism with capitalism and other forms of economic systems. So China's not purely communist, but a lot of your purely communists are mostly communist countries. They do they don't do well economically, and we see that throughout history with Cuba and North Korea and the Soviet Union. Their GDPs don't tend to be very good, and there's reason for that. So as a business and economics major who's graduating this semester with going to have two bachelor's degrees in those studies. This is something I have looked into and studied at college for quite a bit. And just studying for this this podcast episode here, I'm just kind of going to give you three reasons why economically communism tends to struggle. The first and biggest one is lack of production incentive or lack of innovation. So as we already talked about, within these equal communist society in theory, where there is no social economic ladder to climb, there is no reason for people there's no reason for people to want to earn money or to make more money, or there's no ability for people to earn more money or make more money that stifles innovation. So a lot of times these countries that are more communist, people have very little innovation or motivation to create and invent because they know if they create or invent something and put forth the energy to do that, that all it's going to do is be taken up by the community and someone else is going to prosper and make money off that invention rather than the maker inventor themselves. And normally they'll get cheated out in a sense. So there's normally a lack of production incentive. Therefore, there's not technological growth. And when there's not technological growth, countries tend to be more inefficient. And when other countries are evolving technologically faster than other countries, the other countries that aren't evolving fall behind economically. And then they start to spiral into some form of stag stagnation in regards to innovation. So communist societies tend to stifle innovation due to this lack of a lack of incentive to grow economically. Secondly, from economic perspective, the government is the ultimate controller of supply. And then naturally, if they control supply, they control prices. So within economics, to give a brief 101 economics or economics for dummies course, you have supply and demand, which everyone pretty much hears about, like supply and demand. But within a communist society, the communist regime, normally the government, as we said, which in Karl Marx's eyes was supposed to be an in-between, but almost always ends up being the final result. The government controls the economy. It controls distribution, it controls production, and it end up, ends up controlling the whole means. So therefore, what the government is doing is controlling supply. How much product do we want to put on the market? How much product do we give to our citizens? And at what price do we want to charge our citizens for this product? And also, consequently, how much are we going to pay our citizens for these for these industries? And then normally what this leads to is inefficiencies and shortages, typically. So a lot of communist regimes faced production uh, shortages, kind of like Venezuela with their food shortages and stuff like that, because 
they don't they try to pull together information so in the capitalist society individual businesses evaluate their business and see okay this is what demand is for our product this is how much supply we have this is how much it costs to make the good this is how much we have to charge to make a profit and all they have to do is calculate within their business um how much they need to supply and how much they need to hold back and stuff like that but with the government when you have a communist government it tries to pull in information from several different businesses that fall under their their oversight and they try to pull together all this information and all these different industries and all this different economic information and then from that information they try to discern how much production to create this is obviously very inefficient one you're working with large amounts of data extremely inefficient extremely hard to figure out two they're out of touch with the industries they don't speak to the customers they don't interact with the customers they don't know what the customers desire or what their demand is Therefore, they don't know what the perfect equilibrium is for supply and demand to get the perfect price. Three, they normally don't know all the costs that go into each individual business. So they don't know how much it would cost to make a car. Therefore, they don't actually know what to charge the price at to ensure that that business doesn't lose money. And also, they try to take it if they, if it's somewhat somewhat clean of a government they at least want to keep some, some of their promises about you know everyone having food everyone having that ability but if you you can't create you can't give people steaks because that's too expensive to create so therefore all you can do is give them bread because it's easy and cheap and that's the only thing you can really ensure that you can make some money or maintain sustainable but obviously people can't live off bread alone i'm not trying to quote scripture there i'm just literally like living off bread alone would be really hard so it typically leads to starvation all that to say, since communist societies have one government or one oversight controlling all supply, that leads to inefficiencies because they're out of touch with demand. What you need to make demand, I mean, demand and supply to meet up. In the middle is where your price should be. And in the middle is where the perfect equilibrium is. And normally what ends up happening is they don't meet that equilibrium because they're inefficient. And the last thing is more of a behavioral economics side of things rather than a pure numbers economic side of things, and that is corruption. So within communist societies, when all the supply and all the production go, falls into the hands of government, which in theory is supposed to transition it all to the community as a whole and just be some sort of overseer that helps position things economically, what normally ends up happening is corruption because as in, there's an economic theory called game theory. And there's um, this side of economics called behavioral economics. And essentially what happens is the government inherits this power and they have an incentive to maintain that power and they have an incentive to benefit themselves. So they will fudge numbers. They will change. They will, they will allow for, they'll, they'll get people, hire people who tell them what they want to hear and they'll form some sort of economic plan around their benefits so how can we make an economic structure that will benefit us in the long run and then maintain a equal structure for everyone under us so that they don't get uh too upset or we can control them so this normally leads to corruption because the government or the people at the top have an incentive to control the supply in a way that benefits them solely so that is those are the three biggest economic problems with communism and that's why if you look at history communist countries tend to have really low gdps they tend to be economic poor they tend to be oppressed and they tend to just not do well socioeconomically speaking all that to be said my conclusion to this whole 
communist thing and in regard to you know russia and all these different stuff is that we need to get away from these extremes we need to get away from this extreme like communism yes everyone being equal or this extreme capitalism there should be no government involved in the economic system whatsoever i think we need to get away from both these extremes and be like all right how can we form a economic system that is beneficial most beneficial for everyone it's never going to, you're never going to have a perfect system there's always going to be someone at some point who's upset with the system and is not satisfied but how can we create a system that satisfies the most amount of people and protects freedoms and rights and protects people's moral and value morals and protects people's value as human beings and i think there's a blend i think there's a blending of capitalist policies with some sort of socialist policies and stuff like that and maybe other policies that we haven't even thought of and people will come figure out down the road in economics and we can create a nuanced system rather than extremes but one can only hope and as of now though capitalism in general tends to do better than communism economically and even governmentally and freedom wise it seems to do better than communist countries do so as of now capitalism in that regard seems to do better but i'll let you guys decide for yourselves as you look at the information and obviously i'll provide resources for you if you want to look into yourself and just continue to think continue to think about these topics going forward thank you for listening and if you want to if you enjoyed what you hear please again subscribe and follow wherever you're listening to this podcast on and check out my stuff at ltworld.info if you want to read some of my books or you want to learn more about me or whatever and also just check out my social media twitter and instagram and all these stuff will be in the descriptions of either youtube or spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast on so thank you and now please friends go out there and light the world